Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America College podcast. Along with Aaron Fitt, I'm John Manuel. The season's college podcast is sponsored by Project Lomo. Since losing his dad to lung cancer in 2010, Logan Morrison of the Miami Marlins has worked tirelessly for a cause he cares about, fighting lung cancer. Now he's asking young fans to find a cause they care about and do something about it. You can learn about it at projectlomo.mlblog.com, where you can get on the project's email update list or by liking the Project Lomo page on Facebook. It's a really great initiative, and the young fans who do the most amazing projects will have a chance to go to a Marlins game, meet Logan Morrison and some of his Marlins teammates, throw out the first pitch, and win $1,000. That's projectlomo.mlblogs.com. We thank the folks at Project Lomo for their sponsorship this year. Aaron, it's maybe the most anticipated podcast of the year outside of Selection Monday. It's our regional breakdown podcast. Are you fired up? I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. You got me fired up, Vitsy. I'm, uh, I'm jacked. I'm pumped and jacked for the college baseball postseason. We're going to work our way from the left side of the bracket over to the right. Aaron, we're going to start with the number one overall national seed, the North Carolina Tar Heels, 52-8. and eight. As we talked about in Monday's podcast, they got a little bit of a break with number two seed, Florida Atlantic, being a, a very solid two seed, but number three seed, Towson, which really had a number four seed's resume, and the number four seed, Canisius, um, how how much of a does any what, what are the odds you give North Carolina of advancing here? Ninety percent, ninety five percent. How prohibitive of a favorite are they here? They're a strong favorite. I'm not going to put a number on it, but you know I do think Florida Atlantic is is a solid two seed. And uh, I talked a little bit with with Coach John McCormick last night, and I kind of had already been speculating that um, the Owls would save Austin Gomber for um, for the Tar Heels. I mean right. he's their their Big left-hander, he's six foot five and throws downhill and got a good changeup. And his he's name's good. Austin Gomber. Austin Gomber. Um, and in fact, that's what they're going to do. And and you know, he he gave me the indication that even if they lose that first game, they you know Gomber might not pitch because they're going to save him for the Tar Heels because they're in this thing to win the regional. That's it. Um, so which which makes sense to me. I mean, I know a lot of people think, well, you just got to win each game and take the next one as it comes. For me, I think you, you're you're here to win the whole thing. And you know, going don't going two and two doesn't do you any good. You know they're not gonna not gonna expand the the super regionals to 17 teams. You had a good showing, so uh, I like that strategy. So I think FAU has a chance here, um, you know. But but North Carolina is a juggernaut, John. I mean we 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 probably don't even need to spend much time talking about this regional because I just think North Carolina is is they're you know they're the number one national seed for a reason. I mean they've had a great season. They're they're yep. they one of the best offenses in the country. They've one of the best weekend rotations. You got one of the best closers. I mean, Trent Thornton's had a great year. I think the, um, the whole the whole thing for Carolina, winning a national championship and winning this regional first, then a super regional, then a national championship, to me will come down to, uh, you know, their right-handed bats, Landon Lasseter, Sky Bolt, uh, Michael Russell. Yep. I would say maybe a little more pressures on Russell as a junior, uh, as a sophomore, a guy who's been through some of this. Um, you know, you, can't, you don't want to rely too heavily on the freshman. Um, but I think most of all, we we you have to kind of expect or hope that Sky Bolt finds that first half of the season mojo. Not that he's been bad since then, but um, since he came back from the uh, the foot injury, he hasn't quite been the bolt out of the blue that he was in the first half of the That's year. True. Um, and then, you know, their bullpen. And I think a lot of good signs of the ACC tournament, to me, for North Carolina. They didn't hit a ton, but their bullpen and their their pitching depth, you know, I think was a lot showed itself to be what we thought it would be preseason. Maybe it wasn't the guys. Trevor Kelly was very good in the ACC tournament final against Virginia Tech. Uh, Taylor Cherry, I don't know that you expect Taylor Cherry to pitch in the NCAA postseason, but at least at this point you know that if you need him, he threw five 
very solid innings against a good offensive Virginia Tech team in the ACC Tournament Championship game. And then uh, the other guy that we don't talk very much about is Riley Hovis, who threw five uh, very good innings in, over, in the extra innings against Clemson. So I do think North Carolina comes uh, – the biggest thing they come out of the ACC Tournament with, besides uh, the number one overall national seed, is that they, they did discover some pitching depth. Um, I, I think that's a, a big factor, and those guys are going to have to you know, probably pitch some important innings for North Carolina to reach its ultimate goal. Hey, look, like you said, Florida Atlanta's goal is to win the regional. North Carolina's goal is to win the national championship. I mean, I think that yeah. you know, every so you have to have. Uh, I think we, the, the, that's the only point that we have in talking more about them. Canisius and Towson. Uh, what's the best story out of those two teams besides Towson? The obvious story of Towson uh, overcoming, going, you know, kind of pulling a mini cow here and being uh, mm-hmm. on the uh, you know deathbed as a program and kind of being resuscitated in the, and, and making a regional for the first time in 22 years. Well, I'll tell you what, these, these are, you know, these teams, um, they, they can score some runs. And Towson, you know, you look at their, their lineup and they've got some real power in there. You know, Kurt Wirtz has had a great year. And, um, you know, Dominic Fratantonto. I love him. Uh, I don't know how you pronounce it, but I love his name. Can, that's about the best I can do. They call him Frat, I think, because that's, <laughs> uh, that's a lot easier to say. But, uh, you know, that guy's a good player. Um, you know, left-handed hitter and got some speed and plays with a lot of energy. Um and then, and then they got this kid, Pat Fitzgerald, that I think a lot of a lot of fans are going to enjoy watching. He's kind of their their version of Keith Foreman, you know, a little second baseman, a little scrapper. Um, but uh, you know, they play good defense. They don't throw the ball around too much. And um, you know, Mike Volpe, their their senior right-hander, gives him a chance, I guess, to compete in that first game if he's not too burned out from last week, because he, you know, he threw a, a two days rest in the championship game and threw 139 pitches. So I don't know, I don't know that he's going to be too fresh. Uh, but you know. Those guys, uh, they compete. You know, they don't have a lot of arms. Um, you know, their pitching isn't going to compare with, with, you know, a lot of people's here in this regional. But, uh, and then you got Canisius. I mean, um, you know, this team, this team really grinds out at bats. Um, they, they get on base. They, they push the action with their, their team speed. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a solid club. I mean, I think, uh, again, the pitching is, is probably short, you know, compared to like a North Carolina, but, Garrett Courtright's had a great year. He's their number one guy. And, he's, a Virginia um, kid. he's a Virginia kid who moved to uh, New York like, as a high school sophomore or junior. So he's got a little uh, – yeah, he, he's an interesting story. I think the, my favorite thing, of course, about uh, this team is that they're Canadian. They're third Canadian coach and Mike McRae, 13 yeah. Canadians on the roster. What I'm really disappointed by is a lack of uh, – the, the, the uh, committee didn't recognize that and sent them to the natural home for Canisius, which should have been Florida State. He should have said Canisius <laughs> to Florida State so the animals of Section B could have serenaded them with O Canada. Would have been perfect. So, what a great point. A lack, that lack of a feel by the committee evidenced again there. So M- Missed opportunity. It is a missed opportunity. So, Aaron, we're, we're picking the Tar Heels to advance, correct? We are picking the Tar Heels. Uh, I, I'm, I'm giving the uh, Owls a 10% chance to advance. That's my, that's my official right. pick. I think North Carolina will win it, but uh, giving the Owls a 10% chance. On to Cola. Columbia, the site of the second regional we're going to discuss, South Carolina, the one seed, Clemson, the two, Liberty, the three, St. Louis, the four. Aaron, this looks like a very competitive regional on paper, not just because of the rivalry between the Gamecocks and the Tigers. No, I agree with you. Uh, I think St. Louis, to me, is one of the more dangerous four seeds. You know, very experienced club. Um, You know, these guys will 
a lot of you guys have been in the regional before a few years ago because uh, there's a bunch of seniors on this club. Um, and, you know, they they have very good pitching, veteran pitching. You know, Alex Alleman, um, you know, is, is a quality senior number one guy um, with good, the, the good three-pitch mix. I mean, you know, you can touch 90, you got a good slider, good changeup, good pitcher. Um, you know, Clay Smith behind him, very, very experienced. Both those guys had great years last year, John, and, and they had good years this year, um, but they've been around the block, you know, and, and this team has a lot of guys like that. You know, they're, they're generally good up the middle. Um, you know, they, they, uh, they've got some power here with Mike Vigliarolo and, you know, Alex Kelly's had a good year, Braxton Martinez. Those guys can be a little up and down, a little hot and cold, but when they're hot, this team can be very dangerous. So I think the key is for them to get other, other guys on base ahead of them. Yeah, I, I, the other thing I like about this uh, this team is that they have played uh, – they've had some success on the road. Um, you look at what they did in the A-10 tournament last week. They had to win at Charlotte twice to advance, able to do that, which I think is uh, admirable. Um, you know, their, their trouble was they did struggle on the road in league play, like at Richmond, at VCU. Uh, those are pretty long trips, obviously, for this uh, for someone from St. Louis. The, you know, the A-10 is a pretty – Ridiculously large conference, uh, especially when you when you talk about the base the baseball programs. Um, but you know they've they've been competitive when, in the games they played against regional teams. They had a one run loss at Ole Miss, and then I think they split two games with San Diego early in the year. So, you know their competition level hasn't been tremendous. If anything happens, to, you, know, you could get overwhelmed in Columbia with that crowd in that ballpark. For my money, it's yeah. the best ballpark in college baseball. So and, and loud fans, so you, they might get overwhelmed a little bit. But like you said, it's an older, experienced club. Meanwhile, Clemson, Aaron, I think so much rides on for them winning this regional on the health of Matthew Crownover, their redshirt freshman left-hander, left his last start against Florida State, uh, I think in the fifth inning with a forearm problem, and then uh, yesterday, what I was reading, I know he didn't pitch in the ACC tournament. I was reading last night that he had uh, that they were expecting to. He was going to throw a bullpen Monday and then see how he felt and then they'll figure out how he, uh, whether he can pitch this weekend or not. But I don't think they can win this regional without Crownover. Uh, you know, he's 7-2 and two with a 2.05 ERA. They really need him um, because Clay Schmidt has kind of struggled down the stretch. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's also a tough match for this. This is a very left-handed leading lineup at South Carolina's rotation is, and entire pitching staff is very left-handed. Yeah, and, and I do think that, that Clemson had a little more balance this year right and left than they have had in years past. Yeah, Garrett Boulware is definitely a big big part of he's that. A key, he's a key piece. I mean, that guy's a good player. He got some real thump in there. But, um, you know, I like the the overall athleticism with Clemson. Yeah. Uh, and, and I do like the young arms. I just think they're young. I think they're I – think, I think this is a, a team that's, you know, still learning and, and still developing. And um, I think they're going to be better next year than they are this year. I think they – you know, I think – Frankly, I was surprised that they got themselves in position to, to potentially host a regional this year. I didn't expect that from this team. They, uh, they've grinded it out. They've had a, a good year. They've beaten the teams that they should beat. Um, but, you know, they've struggled some against the better teams on their schedule. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like certainly they've got a chance in this regional. But um, there have been other better Clemson teams that have lost to worse South Carolina teams. I mean, you know, it's, right. uh, uh, I, I don't I – don't, I don't know about Clemson here. I feel like I feel like the Gamecocks are the team to beat. I agree, and uh, you know we'll see kind of what happens with uh, like you said, Clemson's got 18 freshmen and three freshman starters just in the lineup. Mm-hmm. It's just a young team, like you said. To me, they're ahead of schedule. Um, right. Liberty, the third seed here, 
I think we expected this out of Liberty last year, or maybe the year before. I think like Liberty, again, like you said with Clemson, uh, it was a fifth seed in its own conference tournament. I think we thought that Liberty would be a regional team sooner under Jim Toman, and they certainly had success under the former Gamecock and Wolfpack assistant to Ray Tanner. But I, I all, I've always wondered, you know, Jim Toman is from the, well, he was an assistant coach when it was during a time in college baseball where it seemed like you had to be a head coach at a mid-major to be a head coach in the SEC or the ACC. So you had Mitch Gaspard and, and John Cohen and Dave Van Horn, all these guys who were head coaches at Northwestern State. I guess Jim Wells really started that. But, you know, it seemed like to be an a- a- SEC coach, you had to be a head coach somewhere else first. And then – uh, and I think that was true for a lot of teams in the ACC. You know, Mike Fox was a head coach at a Division Three school and a national championship Division Three head coach. Um, but then you had Brian O'Connor at Virginia, and you had Tim Corbin at, uh, go from Clemson to Vanderbilt, and Kevin O'Sullivan. And now, you know, you want to be a, an assistant coach to be a head coach. So i, I got to imagine that Jim Toman is going to look at that South Carolina team and wonder, you know, if he had stuck around as an assistant, would he be the head coach now? at South Carolina instead of the head coach at Liberty, where they apparently have a very nice new ballpark they've opened this year. And it is a nice program, but it's in the Big South, not the show place ballpark in all of college baseball or one of the two or three uh, in Columbia. I mean, that's got to be I – mean, I'm sure Jim's had that discussion with himself before, but it's got to be weird to finally break through to regionals and have to go to the place where it could have been yours. Yeah, you're right. It's a good point. And, you know, it's interesting that – um, this Liberty team, of course, opened the season down in Columbia right. and played well. They played well. They, they played three one-run games and won the third one. Um, I don't think they're going to be intimidated by this atmosphere. You know, this is a team that, um, you know, I know the Big South isn't the, isn't the SEC, but, I mean, it's not like they haven't been to, to this ballpark and this environment before. So uh, it'll be probably more jumping this week than it was opening weekend. But, uh, I would imagine. Yeah. But, you know, I, the, the biggest thing is I just think this team um, – you know they're they get they have some good players, but they're they don't compete on a talent level, um, or they they don't match up on a talent level with South Carolina, um, certainly. I mean, or, or Clemson. I mean, but they, you know, you, Ashton Parrott's a really good two-way guy. Um, you know, Josh Richardson done a good job for them lately down the stretch in the rotation, but uh, I don't I don't love their pitching. Um, you know, I think they're gonna they're gonna try to grind a little bit here, but there's nothing really flashy about this club. Right. Um, so, well, you know, I don't, I don't give him a whole lot of a chance here. No Blake Forsland uh, on this year's club. He didn't, <laughs> how'd that work out for everybody? Not not so well. Not uh, so well. That guy uh, never quite put it together. Not so well. Not a top 50 draft prospect, that's for sure. So <laughs> the Gamecocks, Aaron, uh, just feel like a team that has been very streaky this year. They play like a young team. They are a pretty young team. They lost a lot of leadership and a lot of experienced ballast last year. Um, so much attention goes to their sophomore class, Montgomery, Griner, Pancake, um, Tanner English. Uh, kind of what's your take on the Gamecock season this year? And I think we both are sounding like we think that they're, they're the prohibitive favorite in this uh, regional, not as much as North Carolina was, but it, felt, it sounds like if I'm hearing you right, that, that South Carolina is a pretty heavy favorite to, in this regional. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I just I just feel like this team is, is – um, they're dangerous on offense for one thing. I mean, they got to Omaha last year with a team that was very pedestrian offensively. No doubt. And you know, Chad Holbrook thought they'd be a better offensive team this year, even without Christian Walker. 
And he was right. I mean, LB Dancers had a great year. Um, really you know, Pancake and Griner, Pancake and Griner have taken those steps forward that we needed them, that they needed to take. Um, you know, and, and you know, Max Schrock has recovered from a, a slow start and become that uh, presence in the middle that, that they thought he could be. And um, you know, really, it's 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 gone according to plan here. I mean, this is this is a team that can score some runs. Um, you know, they 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 do play solid defense again, and and they and they pitch. I mean, it's it's. It's certainly not an overpowering pitching staff, but last year's wasn't either. I mean, Michael Roth wasn't overpowering. I mean, these guys are in the same the same mold as him. You know, uh, Montgomery and, and Winecoop and Belcher. They're all lefties that have good changeups and command and compete and um, you know mid 80s fastballs really and you know maybe maybe touch high 80s. Uh, but but it's not going to blow you away. But they win and and you know. They've got a good closer again with Tyler Webb. I mean, the guy that they can really trust, the guy that can extend games. Uh, it's a pretty familiar formula here. Right. Well, who is the right-handed pitcher? If they had to use a right-handed pitcher mm-hmm. in this regional, if, they, if the bases are loaded or if it's a big situation and Garrett Bullwear is the plate for Clemson, is there a right-hander in the bullpen that they trust that would bring in that Jerry Myers, their pitching coach, would go to? It's a great question. I mean, you've still got Evan Beal and, and Kobe Holmes and, you know, Forrest Kumis. I mean, between those three guys, you've got three experienced pieces that, you know, have, have shown good stuff. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, I guess you, you ride the hot hand in that, in, that, in that situation. And one of those three guys, you would have to think one of those three guys has got to has got to get some big outs for him. You're absolutely right. The right-handed pitching is probably key for South Carolina uh, in this postseason. And those three guys are the ones to look at. I think South Carolina is the favorite here, and I think they're a really difficult matchup for North Carolina. I think North Carolina in a super regional. I think North Carolina is a better team, um, but just the left-handedness of the Gamecocks, and to me, like this was just one of these classic um, things that you would see in the basketball tournament. Well, first we're going to send Jim Toman to South Carolina, and then we're going to have, if South Carolina wins its regional, we're going to have Chad Holbrook, who played in North Carolina and coached there, go to North Carolina as the head coach of South Carolina. I mean, it just I guess they like these kind of stories. I don't, and I know the coaches don't. Yeah. Uh, I just think it's uncomfortable, as Joe Morgan would say. But, but uh, I am. I'm picking South Carolina to win this regional. Are you picking the Gamecocks to win this regional? I am picking the Gamecocks, but I would I would throw out there with a little caveat that uh, that first game is going to be key, you know, for South Carolina because St. Louis, um, St. Louis is dangerous, and you know they could they could pull an upset in that first game. I agree with you. If that South Carolina, if they lose that first game, I think they are going to be in trouble because it's not a particularly – it should be a deep pitching staff, but it hasn't been. That said, South Carolina has been the master of pulling pitching rabbits out of its hat the last three years. Um, but I don't know if yeah. there's another Michael Roth rabbit uh, down, in, down there. and uh, It would not shock me if South Carolina – if Clemson won this, I'm going to give South Carolina like a 75% shot to win this regional. I don't know why I'm putting percentages on all these, but kind of uh, I think we'll keep this theme going. But for me, uh, the Gamecocks are a big favorite, and I think that they would give North Carolina a real, real challenge in a, in a super regional. But for now, we're both picking the Gamecocks. Moving right. on to the Raleigh regional, NC State the one seed, Ole Miss the two, William & Mary the three, Binghamton the four. Again, Aaron, even though – North Carolina State did not have a season that went by the numbers or went as planned. They wind up essentially where we thought they'd wind up at the beginning of the year. Preseason number eight, right on the cusp of getting a top eight national seed, uh, and yet they've done it in a completely, uh, really 100% unpredictable team uh, for the Wolfpack this year. And that that makes them a tough team to predict in the postseason. 
that's how I think they got a pretty favorable break because it doesn't feel like Ole Miss has played well for about a month. Ole Miss has just been up and down. I mean, they've been a little bit, a little bit like Georgia Tech in the ACC, where you know every time you think they really got it going, they they you know they they take a step back. But um, you know they did win a series two weeks ago, I guess three weeks ago against Mississippi State, um, you know, which is a quality series, and they they lost series to LSU. There's no shame in that, but uh, they you know they they have lost what three of the last four regular season series and one, one and two in Hoover's. So um, you're right. They're not playing their best baseball of the year heading into this thing. But um, I, I like the way this sets up for Ole Miss because you can throw Mike Myers in that first game against William and Mary and Mike Myers is good. I mean, it's not like you're, you know, you're throwing your number three guy here. I mean, that guy could be number one for a lot of teams. I mean, he'd, you know, he'd probably be, he'd be William and Mary's number one. Uh, certainly, you know, so it's not like they're taking William and Mary lightly, but um, you have to imagine that, with him on the mound, they could be able to win that game. And then you save Bobby Wall for uh, for North Carolina State and Carlos Rodon potentially on, on, on Saturday. Um, that's a good matchup. You know, I mean, I'll take Rodon, but that's a good matchup. I think that's a good point. I, I am not a fan of this Ole Miss team this year, and I, I think it's really just when you look at them in, in, in SEC play, it's not a team that's hit. Uh you know, Austin Bossfield, the guy that we talked about at the beginning of the year that they really needed and they expected big things out of him. He's hitting below 200 in league play. Um, yeah. Tanner Mathis has had a really poor season for them this year, just hasn't gone as expected. I do like their one-two punch. Uh, you know, Myers is very solid, and uh, I think highly of Bobby Wall. I think he's uh, gutsy. I don't think he's been right all year with the blisters. Um, his stuff's been pretty inconsistent, and yet he has performed. Um you know, give me guys like that all the time. Guys who win without their best stuff, some of the guys I like the best. And Bobby yeah. Wall has done that all year. But it doesn't seem like there's a tremendous bullpen in place there. This is not a team I think that can come out of the loser bracket. Um, you know, for me, if I were looking at outside of Texas A&M, which I don't think deserved to get in the tournament, I think we were pretty clear about that the other day. Outside mm-hmm. of A&M, if I'm a host and I see an SEC team coming to town as a number two seed – I'd, I'd want to see A&M first, and then I'd want to see Ole Miss second. I, I don't think that's going out on too big of a limb. Despite Wall well, and Myers, I, I just I'm not, I don't I don't worry about their offense and uh, and their bullpen's sketchy. There's no reason to worry about their offense, but I don't agree with you that the bullpen is sketchy. I think they've got some really good depth back there. You got a you know very experienced closer in Brett Huber, a guy who's got you know 12 saves and a 154 ERA, and he's been there forever. Um, you know but Tanner Bailey honest, and Aaron. Though, who's the who's the other guy? Who's their other kind of go-to guy? I mean Tanner Bailey's had a great 29 appearances, 288 ERA. He's downhill. He's got solid stuff. Um, you know, Aaron Greenwood is solid. Tanner Bailey and Aaron Greenwood. You're right. I mean those guys are those guys are nice college you know setup guys, and um, you know they've got. I guess the, the 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 thing that hasn't happened for them is Houghton Buchanan, Josh Laxer. Uh, Buchanan in particular was a guy that we thought would be a key piece for them. That hasn't happened. And but Ellis, the veteran and guys, Pack, those guys kind yeah. of the guys who were like the young hot guys. You're right. The young hot guys who I talked to scouts about from draft stuff have not done great things. But it's the veteran guys who have. So you're you're right. Their their bullpen has performed better than I was giving them credit for. So, but I that said, correct. they're, they're that said, their offense is sketchy. <laughs> it's just not. It's just not intimidating. And you know, their defense I thought would be elite, John, and it has not been. Uh, you know, they're fielding 970. That's pretty average. You know, right. and um, in this day and age, it's it's fringe average. 
because there's a lot of teams that field 980. <laughs> You're right, and this and this and in this day and age, it matters more than now more than ever. Uh, yeah. it, it matters to to throw the ball, you catch the ball, you hit the ball. So that's that's a, that's my one Bull Durham reference I'll give you today. Women, Mary, Binghamton, Aaron, anything uh, people should know about those two teams? Well, you know, you don't have to um, think too much. We are trying yeah, to no, bring I mean, this I, podcast in around an hour and a half or so. Right. No, I mean Binghamton, I think has got some some pretty solid pitching. Um, you know, just kind of some nice college guys that compete, and you know they've got three starters that have ERAs below three. So you know they 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 can. This is a team that will compete in the mound. I mean that's I think what gives them a real chance here. I don't think any of these guys really. Uh, jump out from a stuff standpoint. They don't have any electric guys. No, no Scott Diamonds here. Um, but uh, you know, and, and their and their offense it's kind of like Ole Misses. I mean, statistically, it's like Mississippi's offense. Uh, they've got like Mississippi. They've got one guy that really hits, and Jake Thomas. Um, but you know, they're they're not going to scare you. Um, you know, they're they're a four seed. I mean, they're seeded appropriately, and um, you know, they're 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 not going to win the regional. Um, like I said, William and Mary, I think you pointed this out. The real di- dis- distressing thing, I, I think, about William and Mary is that they lost every series they played against regional teams. That includes Towson. Yeah. That includes, which I guess they went 1-4 and four against Towson. That includes you went to Wilmington in their own conference uh, series at Clemson. It's a three-seed resume. Yep. And, and I've I've always liked John Farrell, um, you know, one of their – He's probably their, their best pitcher. He's eleven and two, two eighty, and he's you know he's he's been in the Cape before, and um, he, he's pretty good. You know he's uh, he's, he gives them a chance in that opener uh, certainly, but um, you know and their their offense. I mean again, it's kind of like those other two teams that we talked about. They got one guy that you really like, and Michael Katz. Um, you know, and Ryan Ryan Lindemuth's had a good year for him, but um, you know it's 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 again none of these teams are very offensive. They don't. They don't scare you with the bats, but this team I think has, is is pretty good up and down the lineup. I mean, they got a little bit of depth here. They they grind you out a little bit. Jamie Pizzino is a very good coach. He did a great job at Bryant, yep. and he's got these guys in regionals in the very first year. Uh, it's pretty impressive. It is impressive, and he's uh, he's a good pitching coach. That's reflected in their in their team's performance. Uh, that said, I like NC State as the favorite, and the real question with NC State is which starting pitching will show up for the Wolfpack yeah. and. And they're apparently going to throw Ethan Ogburn on Friday against uh, against Binghamton, and that means they're going to throw Carlos Rodon Saturday. And I think it's always a smart thing to do to save your age for that second game. Yeah, you know, for, for in yeah. regionals, I know there's some coaches who still want to save him for that third game. I say the second game. Um, yeah. Most and it seems like most teams do that. Try to save their age, especially if you're the favorite. You save your age for that second game. Um, and that, so that'll be Rodon. But State's still going to have to get. I think a quality start out of someone other than Carlos Rodon, Ethan Ogburn, and Brad Stone are the most likely possibility. But their pitching depth there, and it's just they have so many failed starters who they've resuscitated as useful relievers from Anthony Zamsis, who's an occasionally useful reliever, Josh uh, Josh Easley, Grant Sasser, who's now like a closer for them from the left side, along with Chris Overman from the right side, uh, Ryan Wilkins, who's been a reliever, he's been a starter, he's been a reliever. Um, they just have a lot of options. And they, it's also the team that has the experience of having won a regional last year, a very tight regional against Vanderbilt. Um, I don't think NC State's as good this year as it was last year. I still think it's a team that should win this regional field. Yes, I, I agree with you on both those counts. I don't think they're as good last as they were last year. Um, but, I mean, you know, they, they, miss, <laughs> they miss Danny Canella. They miss 
uh, Chris Diaz at shortstop yeah. a lot. I mean, this team is not as, as good defensively. I mean, with Trey Turner at short, right? Um, Trey Turner can make some great plays, but Diaz was very reliable. Um, and Diaz, you know, having Diaz allowed you to play Turner at third, where he was pretty solid. Yeah, exactly. And the biggest thing is the starting pitching, though. I mean, I, I like NC State's offense and athleticism. I think that really stands out in this regional. Um, but they're boy, I just don't trust that pitching. <laughs> I mean, and and I think they're. I think you're right. I think they'll find a way to get through this regional. They'll they'll will themselves to a way. I mean, but they for them to make a deep run here, they need, like you said, Ogburn and Stone. I mean, you can't get hammered in the first or second inning, which has happened too many times this year to those guys. Um, and you know, I, I trust Carlos Rodon, even though he's been up and down this year. But the rest of those guys haven't earned trust. Uh, you know, Brad Stone's got a 5.81 ERA, John. I mean, I know. I know he's got good stuff, but that's that's. Not good for one of your top three starters. It's it's a it is a really unique look at their statistics just to see how many guys have pitched a lot of innings there. And I mean, again, the other X factor I didn't even mention was personal cheese ball. Logan Jernigan went four and two thirds innings in a start in the ACC tournament, but couldn't get through five. He probably actually is their their other their other potential starter in here. So, sure. That, that said. I still, uh, they are more offensive. It's, it's not with power. They really miss Ryan Matthews, another guy. Power bat, 17 home runs last year was kind of a separator for them. Um, but to me, I do kind of like their line drive guys. Logan Ratledge has gotten a little bit hotter. He's got a little more confidence since that early season broken hand. Brian Adamitz has kind of really become a, a key piece for NC State. Uh, you know, I've right. always been a Jake Fincher guy. He hasn't been exact. I will say he hasn't been that clutch this year. It seems like he gets a lot of hits when guys aren't on base. Um, but the other thing that State does do, I think the, uh, the separator for them is their team speed plays defensively. They're not elite defensively, but they're solid. Their, their team speed plays, especially in the outfield, and it plays on the base pass. And I think they might end up winning a game with their speed. And that's why it's another good matchup with them and, and Ole Miss. Stuart Turner, probably the best defensive catcher in the country. Um, if that matchup occurs, it'll be fun to watch Turner versus uh, Turner. So, <laughs> didn't even call. know I was that's going a great that way. call. That that'll be a, that's a really interesting point because uh, you're right. The state uh, that's base, one of NC State's stealing bases yep. is a part of their game. Um, they're going to have to, I think, rely more on bunts and hit and runs and not straight steals against Stuart Turner because he can shut down a running game on his own. So there are some factors in there that I think that favor Ole Miss. But push comes to shove, some intangibles. I'm giving the edge of the Wolfpack. So we're both picking NC State. Yes. Okay. Moving on. We move on to the fourth regional, the Eugene Regional, correct? I, got, I want to make sure I don't mix up my uh, college Eugene towns, regional. My college right. towns in, in the state of Oregon. Uh, Oregon, the number eight national seed, is number one. Rice, your second seed. San Francisco is the three seed. The Jackrabbits of South Dakota State, the four. Aaron, Oregon, uh, we talked about it Monday. I, I'd say it's a gift to be a top eight national seed. But it does not take away from the fact that this Oregon team, well, they didn't win any. They did play four series against the top eight teams in our in our rankings, and uh, they didn't get swept in any of those series. It's a good team, but this is also a team that really uh, it will benefit them if they stay home throughout the postseason because they are perfectly suited for their home ballpark. They they are, although you know I've heard I've heard some coaches say that. Um, <laughs> that you can actually beat them at home because you know some some of the things that they do don't play as well um, at home. You know they they hit the ball on the ground a lot and it okay. goes down on the ground. Um, you know so I I think in some ways 
yeah, their bunt game works great on that turf, but there's other things they do that maybe would be better um, I was, you know, I if they didn't have that their turf. pitching staff being such a pitch-to-contact, it's not a power staff, and that's not a home-run ballpark. That's where I kind of was really – yeah. my, my larger point. But those are some interesting little details. And I, I guess the other detail is Ryan Healy has probably about as much power as anyone in the Pac-12, and that's not a great place to showcase it. Right, that's a good point. But I mean, he's and he's still got ten home runs. There is a little bit of a of a short porch, I guess you could say, a shorter porch in, in right field, and, and Healy's done a good job using the opposite field. Um, you know, but if you got left-handed power hitters, um, you know, that, that can turn on the ball. I mean, that's one area where you can't hit the ball out in that park. Uh, but uh, you know, I agree. I mean, I, hey, we spent a lot of time the last couple of days um, ripping the committee because they gave Oregon a national seed because I don't think Oregon deserved national seed but that said i really like their team um and you know it's a team that i think is, is going to make a, a deep postseason run they were you know a national seed last year too they were in a super regional they almost got to omaha got a lot of experience back from that team i love the rotation you know thorpe irvin and, and reed um they're they're strike throwers and you know they really have good field of pitch all three of those guys and jake reed has come on strong in the second half after you know being a little up and down in the first half um got more movement on his ball and his slider's gotten a lot better and sharper commanding it better um you know those are three really solid starters they got one of the best closers in college baseball jimmy Scherfee. they got depth got options from both sides the right and the left in the bullpen um and and i like a little bit about garrett clevenger their setup guy what what an amazing year he's had i I, I have to admit i don't know much about him he's kind of this year's tommy thorpe i mean he's he's slid into that that left-handed setup role to allow thorpe to start and he's just kind of a low or he's a lower slot guy like a three-quarters guy that um has some funk and and some real deception and run on that uh, kind of like a high 80s fastball um he gets a lot of ground balls and and he's tough to pick up so he's he's been a key piece for them no doubt about it i'm sorry to see that uh cole wipers and brando tessar have had difficult seasons because they have great names i was hoping to see (laughs) brando tessar and uh cole wiper on my tv this weekend um Rice, speaking of uh, great names, Austin Kubica, well, Wayne Graham's the great name, great Texas name. But it has not been a great Rice team, Aaron, and obviously they're on the road. They don't go on the road very often in the postseason. So they're, you know, it seems like Reckling Park is annually a regional host site. But the Owls have to go on the road this year, and, I mean, I think we've talked about them a decent amount this year. Uh, just seems like a team where nothing has really gone uh, as well as they hoped. Sims and Kubica. I think three years ago we thought that could be a dynamite one-two punch, and at times it is. But you know, Austin Kubitz's fastball was the line that we had in our uh, draft write-up. That there's some scouts who think that Austin Kubitz's uh, fastball has backed up three grades from a seven to a four um, mm. since high school, and he's still a very effective college pitcher. But Sims very erratic. Seems like he's better out of the bullpen than he is the starter. It's just not a great Rice team. What what are they? What is their strength? Is it still pitching? I mean, you know, you say they're not a great Rice team, and you're right by their standards, but they're still 41-17. Right. and 17. You know, they won, they won the regular season. They won the conference tournament uh, in, in a one-bid league. Uh, it right. must be acknowledged. But, I mean, this, you know, this team is – they've come around. I mean, they've had a, their annual second-half surge, I guess, and gotten hot at the end like they always do. And uh, their, their strength for me is Zach LeMond. 
I mean, that guy is really good in the bullpen, and they extend him. Uh, he is, you know, he's a younger guy, but he's and he's not real physical, but he's um, he's he's wiry, strong, and uh, he's got a really good breaking ball. Competes his butt off. He's he's a really key piece for them. And Kibitza, you know, and Sims. I mean, those guys have had nice years. And Jordan Stevens as well. All those guys have ERAs in the twos. And Kibitza's right. just a tick over two. He has given up some a bunch of unearned runs, I believe. Yeah, um, yeah, ten. So, um, you know, but but those guys. I mean, Kibitza. That's the thing. Is yes, he's lost a lot of fastball velocity, but he gets so much movement on his fastball that at the college level, um, it makes him very tough to hit. And his slider is still really good. I mean, he's got you know the sinker that moves uh, really you know, has a lot of sink and arm side runs to, to one direction, and then he got the slider that goes the other direction, and it just makes him tough to hit. Uh, and the guy certainly competes and strikes out a lot of people. The key is you know will his control be on? I mean, if he starts walking people, he could be in trouble. And that's why you know I don't know that he's a great matchup for a team like Oregon. Uh, I haven't heard what Rice is going to do. They'll, they'll probably throw Kibitz in the first game, but um, but. Uh, because, you know, an Oregon can grind out a guy like that and really work counts and, and you know, drive a guy like that crazy. But, you know, Sims is, is good. I mean, he's not as good as he used to be. Um, his, his stuff in, in the starting role is, is kind of average. But, um, you know, again, he's a junior guy that's, that's pitched a lot of big games for him. And um, I like those three guys. I do. I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't love those three guys. But I think, you know, hey, if you're looking at other rotations around the country that have three solid starters, um, you know, heck, Sims and, and Stevens, they're better, a lot better than Ogburn and Brad Stone, for instance. <laughs> that is for sure. Great point and a great way to, to spin that positive. And it does seem like Rice, it's not a great offense, but, I mean, it's a, you know, there, it, there's there's a little bit of power there with Rattery and Aquino. It's a decent offense uh, in today's college baseball. Yeah, I mean it is. It's it's kind of a it's kind of a you know average maybe solid solid average kind of college offense. And you know Michael Aquino's had a really good year. Um, he's got got a quick bat, you know, and uh, Rattery's nice to see kind of starting to put it together as a senior. Still hasn't hit for big average. Still never quite became the star player that we thought he would be, but right. he has hit for some power. Those two guys give him some pop. I uh, love um, you know Ford Stainback at, at shortstop is just a nice kind of scrappy uh, catalyst guy for them. And Leon Bird, same thing. Leon Bird works a ton of counts, draws, draws a lot of walks, got speed. Uh, he can be a dynamic guy. He doesn't hit for a lot of average right now, but I think he will eventually. Uh, but those two guys are, are just nice little players. Um, and another you know, case, Aaron, of, of a team that does stop the running game um, yep. going up against a team that, that again, not like Oregon relies necessarily on straight steals, but it helps to have a catcher like Parrott who's been so successful against the, the, the run game. He's really turned himself into a guy that you know is going to play pro ball, and um, he's he, that's a great story. I mean, Wayne Graham has a great history with catchers, and you know guys that that weren't highly recruited that have become very solid college catchers, and he's the latest one. He's 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 very good back there. Aaron, uh, San Francisco and South Dakota State. Now Rice to to advance. I assume Rice is going to have to beat Alex Baylog. That's a pretty uh, no. that's a pretty tough uh, obstacle there, isn't it? I don't know what they're going to do in that first game. I mean, really, um, you know, they've been they've they've had Baylog as their number two guy for most of the year, uh, so I imagine they'll probably stick with that. Um, you know, and go with Christian Cecilio in that first game. He's had a nice year for him, and you've got Abe Bob is kind of the uh, the X factor here. I mean, a guy that is Say that a again? lot of ex- his name is Abe Bob. Abe Bob, yes. Um, <laughs> Abe Bob. Great name. He's 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 a great. He's got a great name, and you know, he was supposed to be their ace coming into the year, and he's wound up kind of. Being their their three or four guy, but um, 
this team's got a lot of good pitching. That's the thing that stands out about them. You know, they got all those guys can compete. Baylog is is capable of dominating. Adam Simber in the bullpen, kind of a low slot guy that is pretty pretty nasty stuff actually. A lot of a lot of movement on his ball. Um, you know, I, I like their arms and and their lineup. You've got a couple of impact guys in the middle. Bradley Zimmer is a very exciting player, right. and this guy can really run. He can hit for power. He's lean and wiry, and he could be a first round guy next year. He's that like kind of talent. Like his older brother. Yep. Like his older brother. Uh, and then Zachary Turner in the middle is is a great run producer. Just you know, just a really good college run producer. Hits hit for some power. Uh, drives the gaps. Uh, not an easy out for power hitter. Um, you know, those those are the guys that really make them go. I think this is a pretty good number three seed. I think they could make some noise in this regional. Aaron, what, how would you go? I mean, you're not a coach. You're not, uh, you know, Giratano uh, or Greg Moore. They they know their they know their staff real well. Obviously, their pitching staff, but. Would you hold Baylog for that second game, like and play to win the whole regional, or would you start Baylog in that first game because it, you know you got a chance to beat Rice and you're going to probably face Kubica, and then you have Cecilio, a guy that you do trust and who has been your Friday guy, and you save him for that second game against against Oregon. How would you how would you take it? Because you've seen all these teams play in person. I have, yeah. You know, I, I think um, that's, that's a good question. I mean, I have to look back and see. Let's see, what, what did they do this past weekend? Who's most rested? That could be a factor. Right. Um, you know, I think they, yeah, they threw Cecilio on Saturday, so maybe it makes more sense to save Cecilio for the next Saturday. Um, he threw 104 pitches on Saturday. I mean, it's you know, it's still five days rest, but um, I, I think. You know, Baylog didn't throw great last weekend. I mean, and he's coming off that little um, groin injury, um, so I don't know what his health status is. That's something else to keep in mind. Sounds like an and extra day of rest would behoove Alex Baylog. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I got a report from somebody who was at that West Coast Conference tournament game last week that he threw against San Diego and said his stuff was not great. It was down a little bit. So, um, you know, that's something to consider here. I mean, they, they're not going to win this regional if, if they don't have Baylog in, in tip-top shape. Baylog and Abe Bob, that's just awesome. I <laughs> love those names. How about the Jackrabbits? You got uh, 30 seconds on the Jackrabbits? Oh, the Jackrabbits. You know, this is a team that I think we had, we pegged them as the uh, the preseason favorite in that conference coming into the year now that Oral Roberts is gone. And, um, and, you know, and they, let's, let's play a little taps for Oral Roberts' streak of regional stretching back to yeah. 1997 did not survive their move to the Southland Conference, but still a mark of consistency that's worth remembering. Moment of silence. Moment of silence. Continue. All right. <laughs> no, I mean, they deserve it, though. I mean, you're right. Since 1997, that's a long streak. And, hey, they made a run in that West Co- uh, the Western Athletic Conference tournament. They, they almost uh, um, you know, almost got themselves back in there. Oh, but, that's right. This, uh, this year was their one-year cameo in the WAC. I forgot about that. WAC. That's right. <laughs> uh, and then how about South Dakota State? I mean, Dave Schrag, a nice little comeback story. Guy who had been a yeah. good head coach at, what, uh, Northern Iowa? And then, uh, he was he, at Northern, and then he was at Notre Dame. He was at Evansville, and then he was at Notre Dame. I think he was at Northern Iowa, Evansville, Notre I think Dame. He was, I think you're right. I think he was Northern Iowa, then Evansville, then Notre Dame. Right. Uh, he, he's, he's been a traveling man. But uh, Dave Schrag kind of builds on what Richie Price had done at South Dakota State and gets them in the regionals. Yeah, and, and you know, they've this is a team uh, that brought back most of their arms from last year. They've, they've got pretty good pitching depth on the mound. Uh, you know, they've got a, a really good closer in J.D. Moore, who's had a fantastic year for them. Um, and then, you know, they've got a little, little speed, a little power in the lineup. I mean, they're, they're not a big base-stealing team, but I think they are. Uh, they have solid team speed in general, and, um, you know, and, and – I don't know. Not a lot of not a lot of power here. They got one guy, Daniel Telford, that's got six home runs, six of their fifteen. 
Um, but you know they they can use the gaps a little bit. I mean they're just a they're just kind of a gritty offensive team. Nothing that stands out. Uh, I think they're clearly a long shot here in, in, in what is a pretty strong regional. It is a strong regional. That, that was gonna be my last point. I think Oregon is the favorite here, but not an obvious favorite. And they got a pretty tough draw as the eight number eight national seed. Who, who's your pick here, Fitzy? I am going with the Ducks. I think I think I really believe in this Oregon team. I mean, I know that, I, like I said, I know people probably think I am hating on the Ducks because I was, you know, talking about their not being a national seed worthy. But I like their team a lot. I like their offense. I like the way they grind out at bats. Um, you know, I like their experience. I like their athleticism, and, and certainly I like their pitching and their coaching. Uh, I, I think they're they're built to make a run. I'm picking Oregon, but this is the softest of the four yet for me. Uh, I, I could see Rice or San Francisco if Baylog yeah. is healthy winning this regional. Um, and I, I will uh, give two shouts out here for South Dakota State. I forgot that they have Lane Thompson, who I don't remember if he made my top ten in the Coastal Plain League last year, but I know he was very good in the Coastal Plain League, and he's he's had a very nice year this year, ERA under two. And then, again, from the all-name department, let's not forget Talon Jumper. Talon hmm. Jumper. Who named their son Talon? Apparently the Jumpers named their son Talon. So, How about that? Uh, it, uh, they must have really enjoyed Napoleon Dynamite. But uh, I'm picking the Ducks here as well. Aaron, it's the Baseball America College Podcast, and we are talking about regional play. We're not even halfway. Well, we're kind of halfway through this uh, half of the bracket, if we only go halfway. But we want to remind everybody that we have one a one free month offer of BaseballAmerica.com. And uh, you know, th- this time of year, especially with the draft, is a great time to get it. So Baseball America has everything you need to get ready for the draft. And get one free month of access to BaseballAmerica.com's premium content. Go to BaseballAmerica.com backslash subscribe, S-U-B-S-C-R-I-B-E, to sign up. That's BaseballAmerica.com slash subscribe for one free month of content. And what better time of year to get that one free month of content than right now. Um, Let's move on to the Fullerton Regional, Fitzy. Cal State Mm. Fullerton, the one. Arizona State, the two. New Mexico, the three. Columbia, the four. Got to admit, I think this is one of the tougher regionals as well, with New Mexico squarely in our top 25 rankings, as are the Sun Devils and, of course, the Titans, who have been tremendous all year. And I think, Aaron, it almost seems like we've been waiting for Cal State Fulton's freshman pitchers to stumble a little bit, and they just haven't. They just they won't stop not walking people and throwing strikes and feeding people. It's just ridiculous how good they've been this year. Do you see – are there any indications – that uh, that these guys hit the wall. Or is that not, that's not going to happen, is it? I don't think it is. You know, I saw them both just two weeks ago against UC Irvine, and I was I was kind of bearing down on both those guys. I sat on on the Friday game and the Saturday game, and um, they both looked really good. They were they looked at peak form. I mean, Garza came out throwing ninety three, ninety five in the first inning, and you know held his kind of ninety one to ninety three for the rest of the game. I mean, the guy's just very good, uh, and and Eshelman is just. He's just, you know, so consistent every week. He just, you know, nobody pounds the strike zone better. Um, and then he's got four quality pitches, and he can mix and match in any pitch and any count. And um, those two guys are just the real deal. And, and I think they've got a solid number three in Graham Weist, who's kind of a, you know, he's a, he's a funky, deceptive guy with some some movement and you know, good good off speed stuff, pitch backwards, nothing fancy, kind of a mid 80s guy, but uh, he, he's solid. 
um, as the number three guy. So their pitching is outstanding. They do have um, more depth in the bullpen this year than they had before. Um, you know, certainly Lorenzen's got some help back there with uh, you know Tyler Pete. Pites Myers had a fantastic season for him, and um, you know they'll use J.D. Davis or Kobe Ghana back there, and they've got Willie Cool. Um, it's a very good pitching staff, and you know their lineup is experienced and athletic. Um, they it's play very one good of the better defense. Lineups. I feel like this is one of the better lineups, if not the best lineup on the West Coast. I mean, from a consistency standpoint, and maybe it's hard for me to yeah. judge from the uh, big. Big West level of competition, but is there a better, more consistent offense in the West, Aaron, than these guys? Maybe San Diego because of Bryant. Uh, no, I think you're probably right about that. I, I I agree with you. I like their I like their lineup a lot. I mean, because you got the experienced kind of veteran doubles guy with Carlos Lopez, and you know Lorenzen and JD Davis both have real power. I know that Davis hasn't hit for a lot of home runs this year. No, a lot of people haven't, but. It's big rough, and same with Matt Chapman. I mean, those guys can those guys can uh, can change a game with one swing. Um, you know, Chad Wallach has become a very competitive um, hitter. You know, for for a guy that he's he's gotten a lot better, one of the more, most improved players out here this year. Uh, and of course, Richie Pedroza makes them go, and they've got you know athletes in the outfield. You know, guys like Deemer and and King Solver and Hutting that they can put out there. Yeah, Jeffries is a good athlete. They and they're, they're just very deep. Seems like in any close game, when I look at their boxes. It's a team that, you know, gets gets pinch hits, gets gets important hits. Doesn't have to have Lorenzen or Lopez at the plate. Certainly doesn't hurt when Lopez comes to the plate and they need it, and he has two walk offs in one weekend when he said he never had one all year. But this is just a it just feels like offensively this team it's just a classic Rick Vanderhook team. It's it's a it's a yeah. grinding. It's very difficult to go through their lineup three times, four times as an opposing starting pitcher. They take a lot of pitches, they take a dose, they'll steal a bag, they'll they'll push bunt, they'll do those things. But more than that, everybody on this lineup just like they can sting you a little bit. Doesn't have to be home runs, but line drives at the gap. But yep. I watched I only watched them I think twice on T V this year, but it just seemed like balls kept on going to the gap. And uh you know, they, they just and it it could be anybody in the lineup. And I, I also love it when your guy who's supposed to be your best player is your best player. And Mike Lorenzen is yeah. their best player this year. And he was supposed to be, and he was. The power's there. The power arm is there. The defense is there. This guy, I just voted in my uh, Golden Spikes Award ballot. He's on my ballot. He was in my final three. I think he's has had one of the great years in college baseball this year. And this era, with 11.7, how inoffensive it is. When you have a center fielder, premium defender in the outfield, who's a premium closer, and as your best offensive player, I just think that's like an MVP type guy. So, uh, I, you know, I don't feel like I've talked very much about Fuller tonight. I kind of defer to you on the West Coast teams, but to me, this is a very complete team where the only thing I worry about is those freshman pitchers hitting a wall, and it just hasn't been any sign of it. That said, Aaron, they got a tough regional draw because Arizona yeah. State's got a great one-two punch, and Williams and uh, Kellogg, they've got power arms out of the bullpen that you've talked about, but their their names sound like uh, a law firm. Who are those guys again? Ryan Burr back there is really the the, the key guy, but um, you know, and there's Ryan the black Burr throws the heck out of it. Yeah, he does. So um, I, I'm, just, I'm just offering that he throws the heck out of it. And then you have New Mexico with his great uh, offense. This is a tough field for the Titans. No surprise that there's a tough regional in the West. I think this is the toughest one in the West, and that's saying something because I think UCLA's got a very tough regional as well, but. I take Arizona State over Cal Poly, and I'll take New Mexico over San Diego. 
Yeah, I think that's probably true. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I think Cal Poly will get to that one, but yeah, um, I, I think you're right. This is a tough regional. I mean, it's a great point. These teams, um, New Mexico is, for my money, is the best offensive team in college baseball. Yep. So you get that team coming into your regional, um, you, you can't feel great about it, you know. And yep. uh, it, it's not, it's not like New Mexico has has no pitching either. I mean, you know, Sam Wolf um, has become a guy at long last as a senior. I mean, he's Scouts will tell you he'll show you 98-99. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a legit arm, and, and, and he's learned how to pitch is the main thing. He's finally, you know, he's, you look at his box scores in the second half in particular, and it's like six innings, one run every time out. I mean, he's been really consistent for him. He's been very good. Uh, and I like Josh Walker. You know, he's he's a, um, you know, kind of a, a little bit of a funky guy with some deception and, and, and decent velocity. I, mean, he'll, 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 I think he'll touch a 90, if I recall. Um you know, he's, he's, he's pretty good too. And, you know, Hobie McLean, kind of a low slot guy that has had a rough first half, but it's been better lately. Um, you know, the, the pitching staff in New Mexico doesn't blow you away, but they, but it's good enough because they can really hit. And I mean, they're hitting 336 as a team. They got all kinds of power. I've seen teams go into that ballpark in Fullerton and make it look small uh, at the last, you know, toward the end of the, the BB core, I mean, the old bat era, you know, I remember, there's a very offensive regional there with Georgia Southern, and um, that's the team that really jumps out in my mind. I forget who else was there, but it was there were a lot of runs scored. Um, and I know that the bats changed things, but I wouldn't be surprised to see New Mexico go in there and just start ripping balls um, because it's you know the ball carries a little bit more there than it does at like UC Irvine or Long Beach. I mean, the, you can put up some power numbers in Fullerton. And that does not bode well, I don't think, for Arizona State because this is it's just so odd to. But Arizona State really has turned into a pitching and defense club. The BB yep. Corps bats and the coaching change uh, to Tim Esme seem like that's that that organ that that program has changed its identity more than any other program I can think of. Well, they, they still do have a little bit of pop though. I mean, 46 home runs is a decent amount for it this is, era. You're right. Um, you know, with, with Michael Benjamin and, and, and Trevor Allen uh, and Casey Kaufman, those three guys have a little bit of power. And R.J. Barrow has always, always been a guy, even in high school, that you know, could swing the bat, and he's got a little bit of juice in there. Um, but you're right. I mean, you look at this team, the first thing you think about is, is the, the, the the first two guys on the mound, you know, Trevor Williams and Ryan Kellogg. Um, Kellogg has had Lincoln. one of the great years by a Canadian in college that I can ever yes. remember. Yeah, you have to have to ask Alan Simpson about that to, oh, for some, some more more historical perspective. But uh, um, Trevor Williams has been up and down. That's right. one thing that You're right. is, is a little odd here. I mean, you look at his numbers; it, it doesn't match his talent. And you expect, once again, we expected more. I think that's fair to yeah. say, right? Yeah, I mean, he's gotten hit around, and you know that scares me. I think New Mexico beats him in that first game. Because um, he's, he's got throws a lot of strikes, and New Mexico's aggressive, and they're going to be, you know, I think they're going to be swinging away early, early in counts and hitting balls all over the place. Um, Face it, Aaron, so, you picked New Mexico to win the regional. Yes, I did. Yes, I did, <laughs> and 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 I hate doing it because I, I really like this Fullerton team. I do, I do. But um, you know, and and hey, if, if I don't know what Fullerton's going to do with their pitching, I, I probably should try to make some inquiries about that. I don't know if they'll throw Graham Weist in that first game and save the other two guys. Uh, if they do that, then this thing could set up very nicely for the Titans. But I, th- I just think New Mexico is good enough offensively to beat anybody, um, you know, whether it's Eshelman or Garza or whoever. So I don't know. I mean, I, it's, 
I just, I just believe in this. I just believe in this New Mexico offense. They were in a regional last year, uh, left a bad taste in their mouth. I think they're going to have something to prove. And, and you know, I think you've got maybe one of the best pure hitters certainly in college baseball. And DJ Peterson, guy's got 18 home runs in addition to hitting 411. Um, and you know, Garver and Melendez, I think are really nice veteran pieces. Uh, Chase Harris. Can he really hit? Alex Albritton's had a good year, you know, the older guy. Uh, this team is good. They're just really, really offensive. I think they're going to bash their way through. I'm picking the Titans, but I think this is about a 60-40 as well. I don't mean to – I mean, no disrespect to the Arizona State Sun Devils, but I just don't think that they're – I think they're the third best team in this in this regional. And, uh, I do too. It's hard to tell really with New Mexico. Like, did they just get hot because they were in a bad conference and they were able to – dominate that conference or they get hot because they found their true level. It's just, it's hard to tell, you know, and I'm not encouraged by the fact that, you know, when you look at the midweek games they played late in the year, well, well, throughout the second half of the year, with the exception of the games at Arkansas, they weren't always clean. They were some struggles. They had a loss in there to Texas Tech, a loss in there to New Mexico State, a loss at yeah. uh, home against Missouri State, loss to Arizona State. That, that's what that did it for me. If, they, if those were cleaner, Aaron, I would have gone ahead and picked and been right there with you on the Lobos, but I, I went with the Titans instead. So the Titans are the, probably the, certainly the smarter pick, and I mean, there's no reason to doubt this Fullerton team. You got to pick been, some upsets, though. Well, I don't know if you got to, but I'm going to. I'm going to take that one. Moving on to the Los Angeles Regional, we just should call this we just should call this the Jackie Robinson Regional. Played at Jackie Robinson Stadium. Mm. Bruins the one seed, Cal Poly the two, San Diego the three. San Diego State, the four. Aaron, everything's coming up ex-big leaguer as a college head coach. You've got uh, Division Three World Series, won last night by Linfield of Oregon, coached by Scott Brocious. you got Andy Stankiewicz leading uh, Golden uh, Grand Canyon to Division Two College World Series, and they're off to a good start there. And now Tony Gwynn leads the San Diego State Aztecs to their second-ever regional Um uh, and under his uh, coaching, they've only made they hadn't made it since 2000 since 1992 until they made it in 2009. Stephen Strasburg's junior year, um, Strasburg of course beaten by Virginia that year. They go two and Q. Uh, does this Tony Gwynn team with Michael Cedaroff and 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 these guys leading the staff? Does this team have a chance to pull an upset or two here in this regional? You know they they just beat that New Mexico team I was just raving about yeah. twice in a row. At the end of the Mountain West Conference tournament, so yeah, I mean they're uh, they're not bad. I mean I actually I like this team. As a four seed, I think they're one of the more dangerous four seeds, and uh, they're not going to throw Cedar off in that first game. They're, Ryan Duran has been the more consistent guy for them down the stretch, yeah. um, and so that's who they're going to throw against UCLA. And he's kind of a you know eh, mid 80s guy, top out at 87. You know a little rolling curveball in there, a little slider. Um, he just kind of you know he competes and he throws strikes, and um, you know he's Hey, he gives them a chance. Um, th- this team is, is – they do have some, some pieces I really like. I, mean, I really like Tim Allen in the outfield, uh, uh, Greg Allen in the outfield, and Tim Zier at second base. Um, you know, Jake Romanski does a fine job behind the plate, really good catch-and-throw guy but back you have there. Some familiar names if you're a college baseball fan out on the West Coast. They've got a Muno and they've got a Romanski. Yeah. These are not surprise names. That's true. Those, are, those, are, those guys are uh, – I think they're – you know, Muno, I think it's the third Muno that's come through uh, Division One college baseball yeah, out there third now. One. Danny and uh, I forget the other guy's name. Kevin. Kevin, Kevin Muno, Muno. That's Diego. right. So Danny was at uh, Fresno State. Fresno, Kenny right, was right. at San Diego. Ryan Kevin. at San Diego State. <laughs> I like the Munos. Right. Those are hard-nosed jokers. They are. You know, and this team, uh, 
early in the year they looked like they were going to be really offensive, and then they kind of just went into a funk offensively. And some of the the pieces that got off the good starts, you know, Brad Hanel hadn't had a very good year. He was a guy that we thought they were going to be really counting on in the middle of the lineup. Uh, you know, Allen cooled off a lot. He was red hot in the beginning of the year. He couldn't get him out. Uh, but you know, Tyler France, the freshman third baseman, really picked it up this past week. He's been he's been on fire. Um, you know, he's a physical guy with some, some juice. So, um, you know, they do have power arms behind Duran with, with Cedar Roth, who will show you some high 90s, and Philip Walby, who can run it up there 95, 96 at times early in the game. Doesn't hold his velocity as well, but, right. uh, you know, and, and the bullpen, you got a, a, a great closer, Bubba Derby. I mean, talking about one of the great names in college baseball. But Bubba Derby? Bubba Derby, and he's, you know, we talked about him early in the year on the podcast. Uh, but he's, you know, he's he's like a little five foot ten guy or something like that. He's a he's a short right hander with a power arm. And he'll show you ninety one, ninety two, and good breaking ball and and competes his butt off. You know, he's he can, he's not afraid of t- tight spots. So uh, there are some pieces here that I like. Uh, this team is, I think, a good four seed. Hey, they they led the Mountain West Conference in ERA. I know part of that's just going to be where they play, altitude stuff. But there, there's there's some there there with this pitching staff and. Uh... I'm intrigued by the Aztecs, and I'm very happy for Tony to uh, get his second team to regionals in his coaching career. Um, meanwhile, San Diego, Cal Poly, the 3-2, Aaron, that's a tremendous that's, – that's one of the better 2-3 matchups out there because Cal Poly just feels like a team that, uh, you know, grinded its way through the season, nothing flashy, never anything flashy about Larry Lee's ball club. Um, tucked away there close to Morro Bay, one of my favorite spots in California all of a sudden. <laughs> I drove <laughs> past it. Um, but San Diego, Chris Bryant, does Chris Bryant's supporting cast do enough to get these to, to get the Toreros to their first regional win? I mean, they, they've had a lot of regional letdowns in the past, and there have been much higher expectations on Rich Hill's ball clubs. And then, of course, we should point out that, that uh, Cal Poly is a little further up the coast than San Luis Obispo. They're not actually in, in Morro Bay. But, um, right. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, close to Morro but, Bay, though. Just, just down yeah, the no, one. That's right. It's not that far. Um, this, is, this is an interesting matchup. I agree with you. These are two – you know, this San Diego team has had to fight and, and scrap its way here because, I mean, they, they've, not, um, <laughs> they've not had consistent pitching. I mean, that's – that's been the thing. They've been tinkering with it all year long. They started with Michael Wagner in the rotation as a Friday guy. Didn't really work out. Wound up uh, putting him, you know, back in the bullpen where he's he's very good. Um, but you know, then they they originally they thought maybe Troy Conyers was going to be their closer. Um, that didn't work out. Now he's he made his first start of the year and threw a complete game shutout. I think in the West Coast Conference Championship game. You, you know, just kind of a just kind of a big funky left-hander, you know, lower slot guy, 84, 87. Um, nothing blows you away, but he's the next factor here. Uh, I do like Trevor Bayless at the back of their bullpen as well. Uh, you know, nice kind of a, uh, you know, low 90s guy with a, with a little slider and a splitter. I mean, he's pretty good. Um, PJ Conlon has been the key for them. He's emerged, the freshman left-hander. Um, you know, good breaking ball, competes, solid fastball. Um, you know, this this team. On the mound, that's really the key. Is, is can they get quality starts? Because it's got ten you know, guys there, and they're kind of like NC State. They got ten guys. Or if you round up, yeah. if you round your nineteen and two thirds, Troy Conyers up to twenty innings. You got ten guys with twenty innings or more on the season. I mean, it's a very like you said, they've been searching for answers that could serve them well um, in a regional if they are in the losers bracket. It is weird to see they probably have worse pitching numbers looking at this team than they ever had in the pre-BB Corbett era under, you know, when they had the Josh Romanskis and the, you know, the, the Kyle Blairs and the Sammy Salises and all those guys, the Brian Madisons. It's a, 
it's really a, it's a different looking San Diego team. Yeah, and the other thing about this team is, like last year, their defense is an issue, and they're fielding 956. Oh, they've made 100 errors. Are Uh, you kidding me? Yeah, it's ugly. It's ugly. The the shortstop position has been a disaster. Um, You know, I mean, the two two guys that have had the most time there, Logan Davis fielding 868, Chris Woolley fielding 908. I mean, it's ugly. Um, and that's their really their big flaw. But you know, Chris Bryant can can mask a lot of flaws, um, you know, because he's just such a he's such a, a game changer. I mean, the guy is he's you know, John. I, I don't know. I, I've seen I've seen some pretty special college players come along. I, you know, I, I covered Buster Posey and I covered you know Dustin Ackley and uh, you know, there's been a lot of, of very good hitters here. Pedro Alvarez comes to mind. Yeah. Um, but Chris Bryant, to me, I think is the is the best college power hitter I've I've seen in you know nine years here. Um, the guy is just. <laughs> I can't imagine. I mean, who would be in contention? I mean, uh, thirty-one home runs, all the doubles. He's athletic. What does he play center field in his spare time there? Correct. Okay, he has it here and there. He's mostly third base, occasionally right field, uh, once in a while center field, but no, it's mostly third base. Okay. Well, I mean, he's. He's as stud as stud gets for college baseball. And uh, you've seen Appel, you've seen Gray, you've seen Bryant. You weighed in Bryant for you. That's what, that's what I would take. I've, I mean, you know, hey, if you can get a – even if he's a corner outfielder, and, and I think he has a chance to play third base. There are some scouts who think he has a chance. Um, but even, even if he's a corner outfielder, if I can get a, a, you know, a 35 home run, 40 home run right fielder with a strong arm and, you know, average speed, I mean – He's not that different from Bryce Harper. I know it sounds crazy, but I mean the guy is special. He's uh, he's pretty dang on good. So, um, can, is this the year though? Is this the San Diego team, Aaron? That I, I'm sorry, we're not. Uh, you know, we didn't touch on Columbia last regional, but uh, we have a tougher four here. But like I said, we compared this to the Fulton regional. It's not quite as tough for me, but it is a. It's one of the tougher regionals. Uh, the, the tougher regionals seem to be the one where you uh, where it's easier to pick an upset pick. Are you picking an upset pick in this one? Yeah, you know, we haven't even talked about UCLA yet or Cal Poly, um, but oh, you know I'm sorry. this is. But this I'm, is. I'm locked in on San Diego apparently. Well, I mean, you know, this is this is fascinating here. I, I don't think San Diego wins this regional. No, I don't think their pitching or defense are good enough to win a regional. Um, but you know, I think Cal Poly plays good defense and uh, has a really, I think, a, a, a good freshman shortstop, Peter Van Gansen, who's fun to watch. I mean, great name like, as well. It's a great name. Peter Van Gansen. Um, that's awesome. And a good, a good, you know, catalyst kind of veteran second baseman guy in Denver Chavez, another great name, uh, a guy who's had to overcome a lot of injury issues, and and you know he's had a very nice season for them. And um, Nick Torres is a stud as a sophomore; he's got real power. Uh, Brian Mondell's got real power. Um, I like Jimmy Allen and David Armendariz are two juniors that have not had loud years, but have good tools. They're good players. Um, I like this lineup a lot. I think this is the best lineup in this regional for what for me. Um, and and you know on the mound you've got a a, a quality senior in Joey Wagman that not great stuff but really knows how to use it. Really competes. Um, you know he'll get you deep into a ball game. And then you got a, a, a really good left-hander with with you know he does have good stuff and Matt Imhoff. Uh, and then a great closer in Reed Riley. I mean. Uh, I, I don't love the. Consistently pitched. Uh, I mean, over the years, it's pretty much what this yeah. is what they do. They, and it seems like they do it better with the guys who aren't their big prospects. Yes, 
you're right. And the Gary Daly's of the world have been like not as good performers, it seems like, for these guys. And and Chase Johnson is probably their best prospect right now. Well, I mean, Reed Riley's. I guess he's probably past Chase Johnson, but Chase Johnson has the biggest arm here. I mean, he's a guy that can show you 97, uh, but they don't really trust him. They don't use him that much. But um, so that to me is the issue. I don't I don't love the supporting cast. They've really ridden Reed Riley hard. (laughs) That's hard to say. (laughs) It was hard to say, but I I managed it. and, and you know, I, I think he maybe wasn't as good in the second half as he was in the first half, just because of the workload. He's thrown six, uh, 57 innings out of the bullpen, so um, that's something to monitor. There's not as much bullpen depth, but uh, if you compare them with UCLA, I mean, that's a team that has a lot of depth on their pitching staff, uh, and they've also got a, a closer that's, <laughs> that's pitched a lot of innings. And David Berg with 64 innings, Crazy. 18 saves, guy's an animal, but he, you know, he doesn't wear down. I mean, just a sidearm guy that's rubber armed and. You know, he's just so reliable. It he's feels like really their big good. issue is making sure Berg gets enough work. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like we got to make sure we get Berg his innings today. Um, the thing I like yeah. about Cal Poly, you know, you look at their their uh, what they've done this year. This has been a good road team. They got a series yeah. win at Washington, a series win at Kansas State, a series win at San Francisco. Um, it's been a pretty good road team. Now, not as much in the conference, but out of conference in the pre-conference. Uh, those are three nice wins, two of them on the road against regional teams. Uh, yeah. You know, kind of gives you some uh, idea. I, I guess my thing with Cal Poly is it does feel like they just haven't been as good down the stretch. Um, I, the the lo- series loss at Long Beach, series loss at, at Irvine. I know they finished with a little bit of a hot streak, but just it felt like this was a team that was in the top 25, and it just seemed like they kind of lost some steam as the year went on and just weren't as consistently impressive as they had been earlier in the year. I think you're right about that. And, you know, UCLA is a team that has kind of picked up steam yeah. um, in the yep. second half of the season. They're, they're playing very well. Oh, they did lose their last series at Stanford. They didn't score a lot of runs in that series. I should I should throw that out there. But uh, UCLA is, is, is a team that isn't going to score a lot of runs anyway. I mean, they're only hitting 249 as a team. Um, this offense, to me, is very vanilla. You know, right. it's 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 this offense is underachieved. When and you just, look at the personnel. And just when it seemed like they were coming around, like you said, Aaron, and then they had that kind of setback the last weekend yeah. of the year. It seemed like they were kind of finding their feet offensively until the Stanford Yeah, year. I mean, heck, you know, I, I saw them against uh, somebody uh, that all blends together. Arizona? But I saw, Wasn't it Arizona? Uh, it was Arizona. And Cody Regis all of a sudden had, I think, four doubles in two days or something. And, you know, he had maybe one on the season coming into that game. And all of a sudden it's like, hey, Cody Regis, where have you been? Right. Um, I mean, he's he's a he's an experienced guy that's been a key hitter for them over the years, and if he can get it going, that would be a nice boost. Yeah, that's a a Philbin joke of the day. Uh, Philbin joke of the day. This team does not have a 300 hitter, Aaron. They just don't really. I mean, what's what would you say the offensive identity of this team is? Now, how what's their go-to way to score runs? Do they even have one? Well, you know, it's it's. Hey, it's a it's a manu it's offense a manufacturer's offense. I mean that's what they do. They, uh, you know, you try to get walk, get guys on base with walks, and, and they do draw a lot of walks. And that's probably their offensive identity is they they work counts. Um, you know, they're good at that stuff. And yeah. I like the athleticism here. I feel like you got a bunch of guys that should be good little flashers like Kevin Kramer and um, you know Shane Zeal and um, Eric Filia. You know, Eric Filia exactly is a great example. Those guys have underachieved. Those are guys that I thought would carry them, and they've underachieved. Um, I just don't love their offense, and their pitching is good. Uh, but it's not, it's, as we talked about, it's, it's kind of just solid college guys. I mean, as much as I love Adam Pletko, uh, and, and I really like Nick Vandertag, um, I, I don't, you know, Grant Watson has, has not had a very good 
right. second half. Right. Um, they do have a very good bullpen. They've got the best bullpen in this regional. That, that's probably their, the best thing about their team is their bullpen. And their starting pitching is solid, too. But um, I don't know. I kind of think Polly can go in there and, and, and maybe win this regional, John. You're picking Polly. I am picking Polly. I think Look they're the, 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 the most – I think they're the most balanced team in this regional. I think they they also have good pitching and they have a much better offense. And you know the defense isn't as good. UCLA plays really good defense, but um, I, I think I'm gonna go with Mustang. And that that was a separator for me is that you, when you, uh, the UCLA is, it looks like it's an elite defensive team, and it seems like that's where their athleticism plays the most. So I know mm-hmm. I'm going kind of chalky here, but uh, so you're picking Polly. I'm I'm going extremely chalky here. It, it does appear like like Ko Pectate. It's like really super chalky. And uh, <laughs> you're picking New Mexico and Cal Poly. I'm picking Fullerton and UCLA. Um, boy, we'd, ha- we'd have fewer complaints about Fullerton and, and UCLA being matched up if, you know, the matchup was actually New Mexico and Cal Poly. Who would host that super in that theoretical? Uh, Cal Poly, I think. I mean, there's the two seed, and they have the, the uh, they have a good facility up I'd there. Want, I'd want sure. to come out to Baggett Stadium and cover that with the sun setting behind yeah. the Bay uh, as, uh, as a regional end. Good stuff. That would be neat. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. I love. I'm gonna drop more Obey references until until they're going out of style. Uh, we got two more regionals to go through. We're gonna cut this podcast off and record another one because that's what we do. We tried to be the, the. We thought we could do this whole thing in an hour. Who are we kidding, Aaron? No chance. No chance. The Blacksburg Regional, Virginia Tech. We've never said that before. No one's ever said that. The Blacksburg <laughs> Regional, Virginia Tech, the one seed, Oklahoma, the two, Coastal Carolina, the three. UConn, the four. I'll tell you what sticks out to me about this one, Aaron. Number one, that Coastal's even in uh, here in here in the Raleigh-Durham area. We've had a lot of Campbell talk the last couple of area, last couple of days uh, at Campbell's expense. And second of all, the the real surprise to me is that Oklahoma sent again to Virginia, to the state of Virginia, uh, where they've had some success at the regional and super regional at UVA. Now they're going down the road to Blacksburg. I wonder how the heck do they get to Blacksburg from <laughs> Oklahoma? <laughs> Where do you fly in to go to Blacksburg? I, I really oh, don't. just Roanoke, Roanoke International, right? You just take the bus. You fly into Roanoke. That makes know. sense. That's probably it. You fly into JJ Reddick International Airport. He's from Salem, <laughs> so right there in the area. That's probably what you do. You probably fly into Reddick Airport. So that makes sense. Um, Virginia Tech. Uh, this is a pretty offensive club, Aaron, and I just feel like this is uh, the the whole, for me, the big picture, not getting too nitty-gritty, is Oklahoma's pitching versus Virginia Tech's hitting. Um, am I overlooking UConn and Coastal Carolina too much there? Well, I mean, you know, those teams aren't bad. Uh, you know, UConn especially has, has come on very strong down the stretch. They're playing their best baseball now. Um, and, you know, they've got some, some veteran guys that have played in regionals and a super regional with LJ Mazzilli and Billy Farragher, um, you know, nice pieces. Obviously, Mazzilli's one of the better second basemen in college baseball, um, one of the more accomplished players. And he, he, he's looking at his, you know, both those guys can really run. You know, this, right. this UConn team puts pressure on you. Um, you got to be able to control the running game to beat UConn. But this is a um, 9 and 15 team in the Big East. I mean, they do have a, they did beat Indiana early in the year, they did beat Ohio State. You know, they have some decent wins in the resume. They won a series at Sam Houston. Uh, I'd missed that in my in my prep, but now I'm looking at it again. But just surprising to me that this team, they really stumbled in the middle of the year before you know that that tournament finish. Um, again, I I I do think your your point is that there are some guys from that 
the uh, fabled 2011 uh, UConn club who are still around for this team. Um, but I, it's hard to get past the fact they went 9-15 and in the Big East. You're right, and and you know they have some pretty good left-handed pitching, you know, uh, with Anthony Marzi, and um, you know, who, in particular, that guy was really good in, in the uh, uh, in the Big East tournament. Right. You know, and they beat Louisville. I mean, let's not forget that's that's it was a, it was a gritty, you know, kind of extra inning win. But um, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't I don't think UConn's going to win this regional, but I'm, I'm at least acknowledging that they're they're hot right now. Uh, and Dan McDonald told me before the Big East tournament, he's like, those guys are pretty good. You know, he says, watch out for those guys. Uh, I don't think he thought they would come in and beat his team and win the Big East tournament. But, right. um, but you know, he, they're, they're interesting. And then, you know, Coastal Carolina, for me, uh, I'm not in love with this team. You know, offensively in particular, they're just mm, vanilla. I hate to keep using that word, it's, but there's a lot of vanilla true. teams in college baseball. <laughs> it's true. And offensively is where it is. Uh, I did get a chance to see Coastal this year. Not a lot of there there offensively, and uh, I, I give again Coach Gilmore a ton of credit. They had a lot of pitching injuries during the season that they had to overcome. I don't I don't really know if they were ever uh, the team they thought they would be uh, on the mound uh, yeah. in terms of injuries. They never had their full complement of, of players they thought they were going to have. Um, but th- this team, to me, uh, uh, similar to last year, their identity really is. They're, if you've not seen them, it's a different look. You're going to really have to hit some of these submarine guys out of their bullpen. But even those guys have not been as good as they were last year. And I guess at some point, even submarine guys do get tired. Ryan Conley's been really good again, though. I yeah, mean, he's got right. 77 innings, 2.10 ERA. Last you year know, was like 1.17. That's true. He was he was a monster last year, but was just he's, still been, he's, last year. he's still been really good. That that is that is the best thing they got going for him is those submarine guys. Him and him and Aaron Burke, um, you know, Conley in particular, longtime favorite. Love that guy. Big um, big big hearted uh, young man. I think that's the way to say it. The politically correct way to say. It. I'd say other things. <laughs> but, I mean, that guy has uh, intestinal fortitude on the mound. He does, and and he's funky, and he's he's just he's pretty good. So I mean. Um, that's, you know, those are the things that we like about those teams. I think, though, I agree with you. I think it comes down to Virginia Tech versus Oklahoma here. Uh, and, and it's a fascinating matchup, isn't right. it? I mean, I, I, love, I love the Hokies offense, you know, obviously with Tyler Horan and Mark Zagunis, Jad Pinder, Andrew Rash, Son Kaselika. I mean, those are, those are five very good college hitters right there. They're dangerous. Um, and, you know, don't dismiss these guys on the mound. You know, now that Joe Mantiply is healthy, he's come on strong down the second half. Um, you know, Devin Burke has been solid for them. I know you like Brad Markey. He's got a power arm. He's been kind of up and down, but he Very does up have and good down, stuff. But I do like him. Yep. That's, that's a yeah. good way to put it. I was surprised when I saw the ACC tournament how bad his numbers were, but I've seen him twice, and I've seen him good twice. So. And, and Clark LeBeaton out of their bullpen is a real weapon, too. I mean, another low-slot guy. He's kind of their version of Connolly. So, um, you know, they're, they're not bad on the mound. Uh, Oklahoma, of course, is when Overton and Gray are on, you know, they're better than anybody on the mound. I mean, but um, – and, and in the Big 12 tournament, those guys were both on. You know, Gray was – Dominant. I mean, a right. complete game. What three hitter? I think twelve strikeouts. Uh, Overton through five shutout. But Overton to me is the key to the whole deal for them. Um, you know, can he? Is he fully healthy? Can he go deep into the game? Um, can he be Dylan Overton? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that you know, that's that's they'll go as far as those two guys to take him. I think, and 
you know, I, I do I do like some of their offensive pieces. I mean, obviously Matt Oberstee's had a monster year. Um, you know, he's he's their version of Ryan Healy. He's the Ryan Healy um, of the Plains. You stole my you stole my uh, <laughs> my, my my comp, but it's a good one. Even their numbers are similar, though. I mean, he's got 10 home runs and you know hitting 382. He's had a good year. Uh, obviously, Max White's been around forever, and and Jack Mayfield as well. Those guys are just experienced players that have played a ton of postseason games. I mean, they were key parts of the the College World Series team. Yep. Uh, a few years ago, and you know they've been to a Super Regional last year, and it's just there's so much experience here. Uh, but they also have some new pieces, you know, Anthony Hermelin and, and Hector Lorenzana, and you know they they kind of filled in with some freshman and junior college transfers. Um, this is this is a tough one, John. What are you thinking? I picked the Sooners. I don't feel tremendously strong about it, but I do. I did pick the Sooners for just what you said. Overton was Overton in the Big 12 tournament. Maybe he wasn't 100% Overton, but he was awfully good. And uh, I just know I would not want to be sitting there staring at uh, Jonathan Gray in that Saturday game if I were the Hokies. I just, you know, I think it's going to be really tough for them, despite how good their offense is, to overcome that. And I do think Virginia Tech can hit its way out of uh, the loser's bracket uh, if they lose that Saturday game. But it just seems awfully tough. And I just feel like, you know, Virginia, uh, Oklahoma has really shown it's it's very comfortable traveling. It's It's comfortable uh, being away from home, they they, think they play a little bit better with their back up against the wall. Maybe that's a, a, a sunny Galloway thing. They do have a guy in Oberstee who, you know, that ballpark at Virginia Tech, according to everyone in the ACC, can play very offensive at times. So you gotta ha- you got you have to try to not pitch the contact. And Overton and Gray are strikeout guys, so that helps. And they have a guy who can take advantage of it in Oberstee. So I think it's very tight, a very close matchup. It is fascinating with the pitching versus hitting. I'm going with the pitching uh, in this situation uh, and picking Oklahoma. Part of it's because I hadn't picked an upset yet. Um, I definitely don't think that I, – I don't think Oklahoma can come out of the losers part of it. I don't like their pitching depth. They haven't really found a third answer in that starting role. I guess Jake Fisher at time to time has, has been that guy, but it doesn't feel like they have the pitching depth to overcome if they lose that game. So, I, I, to me, I'm picking, with, I'm picking the Sooners – I think it's awfully close. Yeah, I agree. I think it's very tough. And I went back and forth. In fact, my, I'm looking at my bracket. That's the one regional that I still have blank. Um, but I guess I need to make a pick. Yeah, you need uh, to make a pick. So uh, I, do, I, go- I do like the fact that uh, watching Virginia Tech this week at the ACC tournament, got to be impressed with Chad Pender playing shortstop. He seems like he's made their yeah. defense better. Alex Perez really struggled. Uh, Perez more comfortable and better at second base. Does draw a lot of walks. Can be, um, you know, can help that team grind through some things. I think I feel a little bit better about Virginia Tech if if he or Brandon Hayden were a little bit more offensive. They had a little bit more lineup depth. Um, it's a top heavy lineup, and, and they're, they're good guys, but it's not. You know, they haven't had uh, that other breakout guy uh, to go through that whole lineup. I just feel like they, you know, they it's tough to beat Jonathan Gray. At, so that's why I picked Oklahoma. I'm going to pick Oklahoma as well for for similar reasons. I like the the pitching, the strikeout factor is I think important to mention like you talked about and also the you know the the guys like White and, and, and Mayfield I just feel like and Oberstee I mean those guys are leaders I like when just hanging around the Sooners when they were on the west coast here I got a great feel about the team chemistry I just feel like a tight-knit group uh, I don't I don't know how much that's worth and there's a lot of teams that are tight-knit but uh, I don't know I just you know there's something about those guys the Whites and, and Mayfield that kind of guy the winning players 
those guys tend to find a way in the postseason, you know? I mean, that's yep. like South Carolina did all those years. Those guys, I get that vibe from them. So I'm going with the Sooners. I don't think Oklahoma's an Omaha team, but I do think they can win this regional. And uh, I definitely give kudos to PQs and the coaching staff at Virginia Tech for the job they've done in building that program up um, over the years to be an ACC caliber program and to be uh, a team that's capable of hosting a regional. It's uh, They put a lot of money and a lot of effort into it. They've got a really good team. I'm very uh, excited for them. They took advantage of their breaks. Um, you know, some of the breaks they got this year, like a doubleheader against Virginia, uh, they, they won that game. There was a lot of weather issues that weekend, uh, but they took advantage of it, won that series. Not many teams can say they won a series against Virginia. In fact, I, I think they're the only one, aren't they? So that, the, um, or, no, Georgia Tech also. Georgia Tech, Georgia oh, okay, Tech. there you go. So, so, uh, so Techs are the kryptonite for the Cavaliers this year, but um, – yeah. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not picking against the, t- the the Hokies. I'm picking with the Sooners. That's the way I'll characterize right. it. So, Aaron, our final uh, regional to cover on this lengthy podcast, the Baton Rouge Regional, LSU the one seed, Louisiana Lafayette the two, Sam Houston State the three, the Quintavious Drains less Jackson State Jaguars. <laughs> not the Jaguars, but Jackson Tigers. State. What are they? Tigers. Tigers. Thank you. I, I went. I went the wrong cat. LSU 1, Lafayette 2, Louisiana Lafayette, Sam Houston 3, Jackson State 4. Um, LSU, the number four national seed, just feels like Aaron, like LSU's been on this mission all year to make up yeah. for losing last year at home to Stony Brook in Super Regionals. LSU is so good, John. I mean, they really are. This is. This is this is actually I think a good regional because I I think all these teams you know uh, Louisiana Lafayette is extremely offensive um, you know they they've got a ton of power um, that's what really stands out about them um, you know and and they've got a good number one with Austin Robichaux you know Tony's son yep. uh, he's, he's he's pretty darn good he's legit but I don't love the rest of their pitching um, and you know their their defense is eh, just okay. But uh, they've they've got some offense, you know, Caleb Adams and, and Dex Kierstad, uh, you know, Tyler Girard. I, I struggle with all these names, but, you know, Seth Harrison, these guys can all hit the ball out of the ballpark. They've got a bunch of guys in this lineup uh, with seven or more home runs. And they got, well, they got one, two, three, four, five, six guys that have seven or more home runs. That's, a, that's a big number. It is. It's a very offensive club. It's an offensive home park, but they take advantage of it. And it's a physical uh, club with a lot of big guys on it. And the, the power plays yeah. and – um, yeah, I think you characterized them pretty well. Just talking to a Sun Belt coach the other day, um, that's just a tough lineup to navigate repeatedly. So it is a good, they're a, they're a very solid two seed. But you know, good good pitching will will keep them in check, like any any offense. And they're going to see some good pitching here. Sam Houston State's got very good pitching uh, with with Cody Dixon and and, uh, and Caleb Smith, a couple of power left-handers. I mean, you know, it depends which guys show up. They can be a little erratic with their command and control. Both those guys are susceptible to, to the walk. Um, but, you know, Dixon will show you 94, you know, good good breaking ball. Caleb Smith will get up to the low 90s. Um, those two guys, uh, you know, they, they give Sam Houston State a chance to win some games here. And, and, I, and I like Sam Houston's offense a little bit, too. It's a much different kind of offense, much less powerful. But, um, you know, they uh, – 
they've got they got a little bit in the middle with with Anthony Azar and you know Luke Lucek and you know Hayden Simmerly and then you know I think Cole Batwood's a good player for him. Kevin Miller's a good player for him. Uh, swings the bat pretty well. You know he's not a he, I think he hits the middle of their lineup but doesn't hit for a lot of power. But he's just a good run producer, drives the gaps, that kind of thing. Um, so you know I like the Sam Houston State team. I mean I think coming into the year they're one of the teams I thought could could win a regional, but I don't think they're going to win this regional. Right. Um, and then you know Jackson State as well. You got to you touch on them. I mean, a lot of speed here. You know that that's obviously the thing that stands out. A bunch of guys, uh, one, two, three, four. I think six guys and maybe seven guys with double digit steals. Uh, Charles Charles Tillery really leading the way. He's kind of the the catalyst for that team. Um, you know they're they're gonna they're gonna make you you work uh, on the base pass. But but LSU of course has one of the best defensive catchers out there with, with Ty Ross and um, LSU is just. I think they might be they might be the best team in college baseball. I mean, is them Vanderbilt, Oregon State, or North Carolina? Okay, that's that's uh, Captain Obvious. I'm not really giving you anything there, but <laughs> okay. LSU is LSU's good. They're they're complete. Um, they're they're going to win this regional. I also think they're going to win this regional. One thing I'll give some credit to for um, Jackson State is that uh, Coach Johnson really does. It's Omar Johnson, I believe, is their head coach. He he. Pitching guy, uh-huh. he does a lot of pitching. He's a German national team pitching coach. Um, he likes the complete game. He likes his pitchers to finish what they start. And this year, he finally had his uh, five foot eight co-ace from the last couple of years, Desmond Russell, who finally gave out under all the complete games. And Desmond Russell uh, got hurt this year, um, but you know they they overcame that. So I think Jackson State. Uh, finally winning the regular season and then winning the tournament, which has been a while for them to do that. Uh, say kudos to, to Jackson State because uh, they've been knocking on that regional door for a long time, and it's, it's cool to see them get through that. I'm with you in that, L- and as far as LSU being so complete, Aaron. I just think it's amazing they've had the kind of season they've had with their preseason All-Americans, Ross and Jones, having terrible years. I'm not there with you on Ty Ross. He's a good defensive catcher. I don't think he's a great defensive catcher. Uh, scouts I talked to. I uh, just think he just the defense is backed up this year as well as the um, offense. I mean, he does control the running game, which is a good thing to do against against Jackson State. To me, the whole key for LSU and, is how how these guys pitch. But go ahead, Aaron. I'm sorry. And Jacoby Jones, I mean, you know, he's, he's come on strong in the second half. He he's has. come on strong in the second half. He's hitting 290 now. I mean, if you look at him in conference play, his numbers are good. They so, are I mean, good. He had that little um, hand injury, but he came back from it, hit a home run in the SEC tournament. Um, Aaron, is, is Chris Cotton legit? It just sound, I mean, his numbers yeah. legit. It sounds like he's just—he's not even submarine. He's just like there's deception and command. But this guy's not Nick Goody. But man, what a year! Forty-one to two, strike out the walk. I mean, that's my question with LSU: is can this continue for Chris Cotton? I think it can. I mean, he's fearless and he's got a great changeup. They'll throw to anybody in any count. And he's got a you know, good enough breaking ball, um, and you know it's 86 to 88, but uh, from the left side, and, and you, you'd think it would be hittable, but he just he doesn't get hit, and he's you know, like I said, he's fearless, and he pounds the strike zone. I mean, he's like right, you know, he's like a right-handed version of of uh, Tommy Eshelman, you know, but he's um, without without his good stuff. I mean, the, the stuff doesn't, you know, the changeup is good, but the rest of it is just kind of meh. But I mean, they've got so much around him in the bullpen. Uh, I love the bullpen depth. I love. You know, um, yeah, Rumbelow, Bonvalan, all those guys, Bourgeois, um all those guys have good arms. You know, I mean, show you, they'll show you ninety. But Bonvalan's more of a, you know, solid lefty. But those other guys on the right side, Rumbelow and Bourgeois will push some low to mid nineties pretty consistently. Yeah, 
So. Exactly, with good breaking balls. And, I mean, you know, this is – That's my that, only that's question a, a nice for them. Comparing LSU and Vanderbilt, just for example, I know LSU just beat Vanderbilt. I'd take Vanderbilt's bullpen in a heartbeat. I know Vander, yeah. I know that LSU has performed, but if you just look at the numbers, LSU's bullpen, they will walk you. You know, you have to be patient, and they do have some guys with some plus stuff. But outside of Cotton, the rest of those guys and the strike zone are best friends. Um, but the edge I give over LSU is as good as Zomek and Beattie are, I would take Nola and Eads. This year in college baseball, and I think Cody Glenn as a third starter, you know, Vanderbilt's kind of – you know, mix and match in that third starter spot. It feels like it's been good there, but not as good as Cody Glenn has been. So I actually think uh, Vanderbilt has a better bullpen. LSU has a better starting pitching. I think North Carolina has got a better lineup than either one of those two teams if you're compared to those top three teams. Um, they're, they're very, very comparable. The three teams that have single-digit losses. Um, but LSU, the other issue I worry about is just they rely so heavily on Alex Bregman. They have a good lineup. Obviously, they have a very good lineup. But they have a freshman shortstop three-hole hitter, and he's starting to naturally not be as – he's got that not-so-fresh feeling, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> I guess what I'm yeah, saying is he, that he, he's wearing down a little bit. That's natural. He's a ball player. I love Alex Bregman. He's awesome. But I think it's natural that he's just not at his peak performance right now. Let's see if a four, four or five days off gets him uh, back because they need Alex Bregman at his best. Because the competition's very, very st- stiff. This is just a great team. There's not really an obvious. You have to nitpick to find negatives with LSU and uh, SEC tournament champions and the kind of regulations they had. Just uh, amazing to do that when they really, uh, you know, uh, people pitched around Mason Katz for months, and uh, they have, they do have this freshman shortstop, and Ray Frimes is hitting 100 points lower than he hit last year, and they just have rolled on. They have, they are a truly a great team. They are truly a great team, and, and I think them. they win that regional. I'm picking them to yep. win that regional as well, Aaron. Uh, do we want to pick our super regionals in, uh, on this side with the teams that we've already picked? You know, I mean, we can just – I'll just say this. I'll, I'll take UNC, Oregon, New Mexico, LSU. Um, you know, I, I don't want to spend too much time breaking down hypothetical. Right. Oh, no, exactly. Up, so. I'm just saying the picks. I've got, I've got yep. North Carolina, NC State, uh, Cal State, Fullerton, LSU. That's my that's my bracket on that side. Uh, the fighting Rodons. I, I think that that would be insane if you were in Omaha to see North Carolina, NC State, Rodon, Emmanuel yeah. in Omaha in a one uh, in one of the games of the Caldwell Series. That'd be pretty spectacular. That'd be really neat. That'd be pretty spectacular from a from a provincial but, but point I, of view. But I think Oregon wins that super regional against State because I just like their. I think their starting pitching is much more reliable. Uh, I, I just I. I don't know. I think the defense is better. I think their uh, their offense isn't quite as good, but it, well, I don't know. I mean, you can make a case that Oregon has, is, is offense is, is similar to states. I mean, they've yeah. got more. They got a better power hitter with Ryan Healy. I think Oregon, and, and they'll be at home. Um, I just, I, I don't, I still just don't trust that NC State starting pitching for me. And I know they've got the bullpen to cover it, but that's why I think Oregon goes to Omaha. I don't blame you. Great, great stuff. A lot of fun, Aaron. We went long, but a lot of fun. Hour and a half. Hoochie mama. We went long. So. <laughs> We'll probably have to shorten up on the right side of the bracket because we just don't have this kind of time. So, for Aaron right. Fitt, I'm John Manuel. This has been the part one of our regional podcast. We'll be back with part two later on the Baseball America College podcast. So long, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.